Hello and welcome to the Empathy for Breakfast show. I am Mimi Nicklin and I am your host of a show that travels the world, talking to people from all corners of our planet about empathy, about our ability to connect and to understand each other and how that is changing our world. These conversations won't only unpack the amazing power of empathy in our societies and our businesses, but they will remind us that we are all far more alike than we are different. I believe that there has never been a better time to talk about empathy, to talk about our need to reconnect as people, as human beings. The more the world talks about empathy, the more empathy the world will have. So let's get talking. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Empathy for Breakfast show. Today, I'm incredibly excited to introduce a very special guest to the show, Saida Basma Al Said, who is a woman on a mission to raise awareness as to the importance of mental health. To do so, she uses every tool possible with a focus on creativity and mindfulness. Having received awards honoring her mental health work by the Honorable Lady, wife of His Majesty Sultan Haitham bin Tariq, Saida Basma continues to push forward with her dedication to helping people with mental health issues and post-traumatic stress disorder. Born in the UK and raised and educated a man and around the world, Saida Basma is truly multicultural and I'm incredibly excited to have her talking to me today all about mental health, empathy and wellness. So Saida Basma, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me to this lovely show and what a lovely name for a show. It's quite oh. interesting. Um, I'm very honored to be here. I hope everybody enjoys this. I know I'm going to enjoy it because I'm going to talk about my favorite topic and that's mental health and um, you seem to have such a positive vibe so I am looking forward to this. I'm so pleased, me too. This is an absolute highlight for me and ending the week. Um, I want to start off with the million dollar question for this show which is what does empathy mean to you? Being Basma, I've always had empathy and I think that led me to study what I study today. So a lot of people might even think we talk about empathy a lot but sometimes people don't actually understand what it is. So I'm going to explain in a very easy, easy way, just to show the difference between empathy and sympathy, because it's very, very tricky. So for example, let's say your friend calls you and tells you that she's had a horrible day, she's lost a loved one, and she doesn't know what to do. A, would you just send her a message and say, you'll be okay? Or B, would you actually go and sit with her and talk to her? This is the easiest way to know what sympathy and empathy. So A was sympathy, and that is feeling, but B is empathy feeling and understanding and going the extra mile, actually living in that person's shoes. As my profession, I need to have that. And I need to also understand if my clients have that too, because people who don't have empathy is actually a big question mark. And it's kind of, it goes into a lot of other diagnoses, which we usually check into. Absolutely. I love that example of sympathy and empathy, because, you know, so many people ask me that exact question. So it's a brilliant, a brilliant way to the line. <laughs> It is a very, a very fine line. And tell me the link between empathy and mental health. Now, I spend a lot of my time um, touching on mental health, particularly in the workplace um, and talking about how more empathy can make us all more well emotionally and mentally. What's what's your opinion on that, Saida? What's your opinion on, on how we link empathy and mental health? Look, the best thing is to have both, of course. But in everything to do with mental health, there has to be balance. I can't be extra, extra, extra with empathy because it will actually lead 
lead me to a big crisis, believe it or not. You can't always be, you know, on spot with empathy. Sympathy is a bit needed sometimes as well. Also, it depends on the person you're dealing with. Not everybody will be that, you know, that approach of empathy won't be with every person. You know, there's some people that are very close to you that you'd be more empathetic to them than sympathetic. So having a balance of that is very, very um, important. Um, empathy, believe it or not, has sometimes led to bad wars. And this is the extreme version of empathy, of course, because it becomes sometimes to the extent of not thinking, not judging properly and just going, no, I have to be really, really good. There's another fine line between empathy and being kind. So it goes in mm. a big chain of all of this. I don't want to complicate things for people. But when we have a client or, for example, a child, so usually children who are um, children of war, for example, who have been taken away from their parents, they lack empathy because they haven't mm. learned that. You learn that from your mother mostly you know it's it's something that because your mom will go the extra mile your father as well but your mom will do that extra mile she'll feel she'll understand and a lot of kids we worry when they grow up without empathy because they could turn to children who are not dealing well with life who become very hard um, in in emotions and that's something that's very very important in everyone Absolutely. And I talk a lot about the empathy deficit that we see in the world today. And that's exactly what you're you know, referring to there, which is when children are growing up without enough empathy. And in fact, all around the world, we're not teaching it. You know, we're not teaching it in schools. We're not teaching it in university or workplaces. Um, so it's an incredibly important discussion. And of course, you founded Whispers of Serenity in Oman, which is truly one of a kind. And just the most beautiful name. I just feel like I want to keep saying it. Whispers of Serenity. It makes me feel us. You need to come and visit us. I definitely will. As soon as I can travel, I, I, I can imagine it. Yes. But tell us a little, we would all love to know, tell us a little about your journey. What provoked you to open the clinic? Uh, what are your dreams for it? So I worked um, in the government sector in the university hospital for 11 years. And I've always wanted to open a private clinic when I, from when I graduated. At the time when I graduated, there was no private clinics at all. There was a lot of, there was clinics in the hospital, but there was no private sector. And I wanted when I open one for it to be unique, not like it's the first of its the only clinic, but the first of its kind. And that was important for me. You can open a clinic, everybody can open a clinic, but to keep the sustainability and to keep it unique and to keep it something where people feel comfortable to come to and get knowledge from because mental health is a very dry subject to some people. And I wanted to explain to them, it's not as dry as you think. It's actually fun. It's actually creative. We all go through things in life. So that was the goal with opening Serenity and actually the idea was to call it I call it Serenity because it was supposed to be called Serenity but then you know somebody had taken the same name and we had to add something to it but I always call it Serenity and we have its sister clinic which is called Serene so the idea was as you said when people say it to feel relaxed that was the first point the second point when you say I'm going to Serene it's or Serenity it's more interesting than going to I'm going to the beautiful mind or the dynamic mind or anything with a mind kind of thing. And I wanted people to feel you're coming somewhere that feels at home, where you feel safe, where you can talk, where you feel it's a safe haven and you feel relaxed. So even the colors in Serenity is very similar to the colors that's behind you. We use a lot of uh, turquoise and white. And in Serenity, yeah. it's more uh, modern uh, mental health. So it has more dynamic colors. So this is the traditional mental health Serenity. And then we have the modern mental health, which is Serene. 
oh, I can't wait to come and see it. It's, I mean, it's such a beautiful step forward, not just in Oman, but, but for the region. And let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, the mental health discussion in the Middle East, definitely moving fast. We're, we're seeing a lot change, but there are many people that say, you know, it isn't moving fast enough, particularly in the corporate sector. What are your thoughts, Sita, about that? Are we moving fast enough here? Are we seeing the right evolution of this discussion? Quite interesting. So I travel a lot. And uh, when I travel, I visit places for mental health. I visit colleagues that are in different countries and ask them, how is it in, in England? How is it in Germany? How is it in Egypt? How is it in Jordan? And really, it's the same, which is quite interesting. The difference is the awareness campaigns are higher in these countries. For example, if I talk about the England and the US, but the stigma is still there. Hence, we still hear people committing suicide. We still people hurting themselves. And when it's to do with corporate, it's the same. It's very rare that people actually really care about mental health in corporate. They just care about you know, production, production. And then if somebody gets hurt, then they think, oh, now let's do team building just to get, you know, to make <laughs> something but team building is so like we've done that we need other things mindfulness i know for a fact that in the uk it was something that was supposed to be implicated in corporates in schools and i thought that was amazing i recently just before covid asked is it happening and they were like no it's not happening it was it kicked off mm. and then it stopped and some places it is and there's so many reasons so that's something i'm also talking about here in the region we talk a lot about mindfulness now we're trying to get we've talked about it in in the ministry of education. Let's teach kids from a very early age about mental health, about mindfulness. In corporates, yes, it's very important. Now in COVID, so many talks. Can you come and talk about mental health and COVID? Can you come and talk about that? And I asked them a question. I was like, who's asking? Who wants this? And the managers will be like, it's for the employees. And I tell them, but what about you? Are you okay? Uh, do you ask your employees if they're okay? Or do you just come into a meeting and say, okay, one, two, three, four. Or do you actually ask them, how are you doing? How's your family doing? It can be something really small that could really be a effective sometimes. I'm not saying, you know, um, just sit down all day with your employees and talk about life, but also just when you're doing a meeting, why don't you just ask them, you know, guys, what's going on? I've had a rough week. How about you guys? That never happens. And that's something very, very small. So to do with corporates, I hope it will push in more now. And it's very ironic that it needed a whole COVID to tell us that mental health is important. It was, we were always talking about it until we go blue in the face. It's, I find it quite funny now that people are like, oh, mental health, it was always there. It was always important. But to take a positive note, COVID helped us out in this. COVID helped us out mm. realize this. COVID helped us, helped us out to realize also that we have amazing women leaders, which we always talked about them before as well. So it did highlight two big things. So to go back to your to your question, um, yes, it is difficult as it's difficult everywhere in the world. But I think with things changing, it is moving as much as it can. At least people are talking about it way more than before. Absolutely. I feel that as well. I think the conversation is is definitely rising. And as I said, even with empathy, which is my, you know, my specialism within this space, I always say that when I started writing my book, in fact, when I got my publishing deal, which was only in November 2019, I know that feels like about 3000 years ago, but it was actually only, you know, 60. No one was talking about this. I mean, it just was not a word that was, you know, in the public domain, certainly not in the public yeah, domain. Yeah. And it shifts, you know, you look now 16 months on and there is discussion. There are people wanting to talk about this, bringing it into schools, bringing it into the corporate workplace, understanding that these are not soft skills. These are actually critical skills um, for the future, for the future of humanity. So hopefully we're seeing, you know, some really good progress. But let's talk a, a bit more about the pandemic. When it passes, and let's hope that 
that's relatively soon. What do you think um, will be the, the situation once that's done? Do you think that this elevation of the discussion is here to stay? Do you think that there's enough being done to get people back into workplaces with, you know, with optimal wellness? How do you see that rolling out in the next few months? You know what? As psychologists, we know for sure that PTSD is going to be the star of the moment. And um, always in any kind of catastrophes or natural disasters or any type of disasters, PTSD is the one that we have to deal with. With COVID, 100%, I know 100% is a very big percentage, but definitely we're dealing with it now and we're going to deal with it for. I like to think, so we all feel, oh, when it's finished, when it's finished. And I think the more we think when it's finished, it just doesn't finish. (laughs) It brings its family and friends and manifests. So I think learning how to deal with it is maybe something we need to think of it and think about it now. Of course, wearing the mask is something I do not wish to wear all my life. I do not wish to sanitize my hand every two minutes. I do not wish not to hug people anymore or do any gatherings. I do want that to happen. But I think it's actually helped us a lot. If we try and think, it's very sad that people have passed away. That's the most saddest thing about it. And we can't ignore that. We've lost, if it's a passing of a person, business, economic, you know, self, lost a lot of things here. But if you think of it, before COVID, things were not that glorious as well. So why want to, a lot of people are saying we want to go back to how it was. We, we don't want to go back to how it was. We want to go forward. We want to go even things that are more amazing, you know. But now what we've seen what that does and how COVID comes and it just smack in the middle and we have no plan. And we always thought we had plan B. We never, it seems nobody had plan B. The whole world didn't have plan B. And this teaches you that, you know what, sometimes maybe you need to have that magical plan B and you need to think in more than one way. You need to think outside the box. We talk about outside the box a lot, but we haven't actually done it as well. So COVID is going to leave a lot of things hanging um, that we are hoping that we will be able to deal with it. I'm hoping that people would get closer, you know, to each other in terms of caring to each, uh, about each other. Because if we come out of this and we haven't learned that, then we haven't learned anything at all. Because this time, this pandemic hit the whole world. It didn't hit a certain sector. It didn't hit Europe alone, Asia alone, in Middle East alone. It hit all of us. Nobody is the star of the moment in, in, in this story. We are all in this story together. So I think maybe, I could be wrong, but maybe we should think, okay, Okay, hopefully it does move on. But if it doesn't, how do we deal with it now? I mean, it doesn't as in it doesn't disappear. In the end, influenza is still there. People get calls, but they take vaccine for it. And that's how we've been dealing all these years. But it's still there. It's not gone. So I'm thinking COVID is probably going to be something like that. So I hope we could find a solution of, of living with it without getting hurt in terms of vaccine. Mm in terms of all of these things that we hear about a lot and um, that we do learn how to care and, and and be kind to each other because I basically think the pandemic of not being kind is even worse than this COVID. I think we have a bigger pandemic and that's we're not kind to each other. And this should have taught us to be kinder. And that's something, I know it sounds very cliche, but it's it would have done so much things. It would have helped with being empathetic and sympathetic and all of these things. So the COVID mm. slightly is here, but hopefully with the with the vaccine, you know, we, we do that thing where, where it leaves slowly or becomes very minimum as all the other viruses that are around us. And thank you for that answer. I really enjoyed your point there around, you know, should we want to go back? like it was Mm. because actually we have been through a huge trauma as a planet yes but has elevated our awareness on what we need from each other and how important connectivity is. And we may have a health pandemic, but we have a loneliness 
ending. And some data now shows that that loneliness is more dangerous from a mortality point of view than obesity and smoke. As human beings, we're not meant to be alone. And I really, I feel like, I feel like you, I really hope that out of this trauma, we have elevated our, our mutual humanity and our understanding of why we need to be connected. And as you said, kind, connected, empathetic, listening to each other. Because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we're all far more alike than we are different. And I think that the pandemic has shown us that we're all in the same boat on some level. Yes. So I couldn't, I mean, I really, really enjoyed that answer. So thank you. I, I want to pick up on one other thing you touched on earlier, which was children. Um, and I'm, I'm a mum. I have a little girl and I talk to her a lot about empathy and understanding others and all of these things. Should it be on our curriculums here in the Middle East? I mean, there was recently a quote from the University of Cambridge just uh, in January this year that said grades are important, but for the future of our children, so is empathy. Do, do you think we should be teaching this in school empathy mental awareness kindness definitely definitely and we should be teaching it from a very young age we have the zero hour which is between um, assembly and the first class why don't we do it between that uh, why don't we do so much initiatives in schools maybe there is but I think it should be done a bit more we teach our kids at home how to be nice and kind and all of that it needs to especially in school because they're mingling with so many other house so many other families you know of other kids and this is the real world I remember very very young age um, when I used to go to school so I used to go to school here and I used to go to school in the UK I don't know what they have so many stories of my school but I remember an assembly assembly is different in the UK of course but we always used to sing all things bright and wonderful all things bright and <laughs> stuck in my brain from the beginning of COVID and it's so random and and I think when I was young, I used to sing it, la, 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 la. But then I think now, oh my God, that song teaches so much in it. It teaches mindfulness. It teaches love. It teaches thanking God for so much stuff in any religion, in any mm. religion. I was just telling my kids about the song and they were like, what? I'm like, yeah, this is a really amazing one. Sadly, when I look for it on YouTube, it's either very old people singing it or really, really <laughs> rhyme. There isn't a proper version. I'm, I'm still looking. But I think to answer your question, that was one of the things that, that made me think about love and kindness, empathy. And, and, you know, it's a very small thing, you'd think. It's, an, it's a song. But it, it left this emotion in me that now with the pandemic, the song has come back to my brain and kept me literally because I've been practicing only recently how to be mindful. And I do look at every flower, every bird, the sky, you know, just to divert my thinking of how bad things are. And it's good to have this diversion yes i am dealing with it but it's good to have this thankfulness that we did not see before this little things you know like easily now if things were okay i would have been with you i would have been there and ryan we did the, you know the interview but we didn't think it was something important we took it all for granted and this is a big lesson we talked about environment and how to look after environment all these years until god was like you know what you're not listening i'm gonna show you what i mean and look this is exactly what happened the sad thing is i say it again is we come out of this and we go back and do the same thing again we can't can't let that happen right as women as thinkers as leaders 
we have to keep moving forward. And that's why I get up every day and do my work in empathy um, is because I believe in that so much. We have to reconnect. Life is too short for all of us to, to live disconnected. That's not really short, literally really short. And, and we have to every minute, every day, it's good to do something to remind you that you exist, that you're doing something. It doesn't have to be something amazing. It can be even something really small, but just appreciate it. Because honestly, it's very interesting. Every Since a young age, when you, something happens, you think it will stay forever. I fell off a bike. Oh my God, I'm never going to ride a bike again. It's always like a big catastrophe, dramatic. It finishes. Everything finishes and moves on. But we don't see it. it. And we have to learn. And that comes back to mindfulness, being really mindful of what the universe is teaching you, all of us, but you know, on a daily basis and trusting in those signs. And I say this to my my friends and, and you know clients all the time, that we have to trust in the signals, find them, trust them and carry on on that journey. Because if you believe in what you're doing, uh, you're always going the right way in the end. But listen, we, I told you 20 minutes was going to go quickly because I feel like we could probably talk all day, but I want to give you a very last question, which is my absolute favorite question, um, which is if you could share breakfast, Saida Basma, with any one person or people, who would it be? Where would you go? And what would you be having? I want to have breakfast with so many people. <laughs> Weirdest one, and you'll find this so weird. I'm sure nobody has said this. I want to have breakfast with a pharaoh. Wow, that's the best answer ever. Pharaohs are amazing. I mean, I don't know how to uh, to be more specific, Cleopatra, I think. But she's so, not to sound cliche, she's so, I mean, she lived in a time where people found out about medicine people found out about taste makeup beauty wisdom empowerment beautiful jewelry beautiful architect everything pharaohs did everything and then and they still today you know like on the 3rd of April, they're moving the pharaohs from one museum to another in Egypt. The scary thing is they look the same. Crazy. <laughs> scary. But look how amazing their brain was. They're the one of the most amazing civilizations, I think. So I would love to sit with, with Cleopatra and just tell her, what's going on? Why did you mess it up in the end? You were doing well, you know, you didn't need to. You know, someone from Italy, you could have been, you know. <laughs> and of course, the people that I, I can't understand how they did things, like Nelson Mandela, I don't know how. I can't think how he was so forgiving. Just to have that forgiveness, it's so much. And, and to be so, again, wisdom, calmness. I know everybody has their faults. Everybody has done something that has their fault. If you think of Mandela, Gandhi, um, Martin Luther King, what? Those are amazing minds. Don't see them repeating because I literally can't understand how can you be that forgiving? And that's a skill. I mean, if you hear about Mandela studying in jail in between hours, in between those two minutes when he was allowed to go out for exercise, he would read and finishing his law degree in very bad mm -hmm. circumstances. If you hear about Gandhi and, and all the things that he went through, if he, they could have taken the easy life and did nothing. They actually came from, you know, okay families. They were, it's not like they were starving. You know, they were doing okay and they could have continued. They didn't. They did something. They did a change. And their words, this is how amazing they are. Up to today, their words have an effect. So what breakfast? I love it. So if it's the pharaoh, I love Egyptian food. So that would be another reason why I would just Cleopatra. And... Uh, 
yeah, you said person and the breakfast. I like croissant or I like Egyptian breakfast more. And the place? Yeah, and the place. I'm going to be with Cleopatra. It's going to be in her palace. Obviously. <laughs> wow. And who, who doesn't want to have breakfast with Cleopatra? I'm very clean. Oh my golly. Saida Bazza, you made my day. I mean, I think this conversation has just been so high energy and I think we share so much passion in the world. And I wish we were here or I were there, but one day we will meet you in life. We'll play a really good version of All Things Bright and Beautiful and we will put on some kind of movie about Cleopatra and eat some Egyptian food and carry on this conversation. So thank you. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day and thank you for this beautiful initiative i wish you all the best and for you to write another book maybe it's not about sympathy just to make it balanced <laughs> but thank you so much it if it wasn't for covid i wouldn't have met you so that's a positive point there so there we go so thank you so much everybody listening today i have been joined by saida basma al Said, who is truly a woman on a mission to raise awareness as to the importance of mental health and making us all feel better and more well and reach our potential so it's been an absolute honor and to everyone listening thank you for joining and have a really super day and with that another episode of the empathy for breakfast show comes to a close i would like to thank iq films who produced this episode and dj ciel for my soundtrack and music do join me online to carry on the conversation i'm incredibly active on instagram and linkedin and twitter at mimi nicklin i would love to talk to you all more meanwhile spread the word share the empathy Because after all, the more the world talks about empathy, the more empathy the world will have. I'm Mimi Nicklin. Thank you very much for tuning in. And I look forward to seeing you again on the Empathy for Breakfast show.